This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So I want to thank you all for everyone who did reach out after last week's episode. That was a really scary one for me to put out. I didn't plan on putting that one out. I was laying in my bed Sunday morning thinking, I have to redo that episode. There's no way I can be that vulnerable. I also don't want to depress everybody. I was just freaking out and I was like, okay, I'm going to get up I'm going to have my coffee and I'm going to record an entirely new episode. All of a sudden, I got a DM from someone who said, thank you so much for this episode. I really related. It made me feel like I wasn't alone. I understand exactly what you're going through. And in fact, I had a cry with you and it felt really good to let it out. And I was like, what? what are they talking about? And I went and I looked on Apple Podcasts and the episode was up on Sunday. I had published it the night before. Typically, I'll upload it and I will schedule for when it's going to be posted. I mistakenly put Sunday's date instead of Monday's date. So even though I had put it up, obviously I thought I had until Monday (laughs) until it posted. So on Sunday, like I said, is when I thought, I'm redoing this. I'm taking it down. But it was already out there in the world. So I had a decision to make. I was like, okay, do I just leave this whole episode and just fix the date, take it down, and it'll post tomorrow? Or do I take it down and redo it? I took that DM as a sign. And I was just like, okay, the universe wants it out there. I am just going to stop being afraid and just put it out. So that's what I did. And DMs just started pouring in from other people who related. So 
for those of you that did relate, and I know for everyone that I hear from, there's probably many more that I don't. Obviously, I don't want anyone in pain or hurting or feeling that same way, but life does have ups and downs. We can't always be happy. And I think it helps to know that you're not the only one. And I also want to shout out a couple of my friends because I was thinking that even though I was explaining that breakdown that I had, uh, also that night, my friend Brett, who was on episode one, he and I were texting because he was working at TomTom that night and I was right across the street at Troubadour. And he was like, are you at the show? How is it? How's everything going? And that's when I just kind of let him know how I was feeling. And he walked away from his shift, found a quiet area to call me. And he was like, if you want, I will ask them if they can cut me early. I will come meet you. And he talked me through a lot. I was just like, no, I really think I would rather go home. But just the fact that I had someone to actually verbalize it to was such a huge, huge help. So in the words of Brett's favorite artist, Taylor Swift, it's nice to have a friend. So Thank you so much, Brett, and also Sheena for hearing me out. It always helps to just talk things out with people. I never want to burden anyone. I never, like I said, I never want to depress anyone, but there are those times, and that's what friends are for. There are those times where it helps to just get it out, get that feeling out of your body, whether you're writing it or texting it or speaking it out loud or putting it into a podcast, I've learned it does help. So thank all of you too, because you allowed me to overshare, basically. Let's call it what it is. I feel like I overshared, but I want to push myself to do more of that because what's the point in having a podcast if I'm not going to be completely open with you guys? And that's my intent. So you helped me work through a little fear of mine and we got through it together didn't we speaking of friends and people who work at tom tom i want to say happy birthday to one of my best friends mindy on instagram the mini muffin mini is m-i-n-n-i-e and she has a twin sister melissa we call her missy wrath of hearts on instagram and it was both of their birthdays so happy birthday to both of you if you guys are ever in Tom Tom, Mindy is the gorgeous, tall, usually blonde, but don't quote me on that because she changed her hair color a lot, but usually blonde, bartender, tattooed, awesome. And if you're looking for a drink, go to her. She'll make it the fastest. She'll make it the best. And if you do go anytime soon, make sure you say happy birthday. So her sister, Missy, Melissa, whichever you want to call her, (laughs) she is equally as awesome as Mindy. And unfortunately, she's been suffering with MS. So she has a GoFundMe and it's called Help Melissa Howland Beat MS. And in her own words, she wrote, so you know that I've tried to be honest about my struggles with MS. Well, it's getting worse. Yay me. She's quite the sarcastic one, and she's hilarious, by the way. I'm falling more, losing my balance more, forgetting more, getting so fatigued that I will sleep for days on end. My vision is changing constantly, and the pain is unbearable. I seriously cannot remember a day when I didn't have pain. We're talking years. I'm talking 16 different drugs a day, 35 pills a day, plus daily injections. The meds also take their toll and have their side effects. These are just a few of the many things that MS has been doing to me. 
My best chance to stand up against this disease is by having a stem cell transplant, HSCT, which insurance will not cover. I don't like asking for help, but it's time for me to swallow my pride. Please help me make this dream a reality. I have a chance to whack this thing in remission. This could even heal the damage that we didn't think could be healed. I finally have a feeling that I never thought I'd have again. Hope. So the link in, is in her bio to donate. And like I mentioned, she is at Wrath of Hearts. Wrath is spelled with a W. And if you can't donate, that's fine too. You could always just share it or just send her a bit of love or support. All of that will go a really long way. And I'm here for you, Melissa. I love you. So the charts are a weird thing and I don't always check them, but I have a subscription to a site which keeps track of all of the Apple reviews and world reviews and everything like that, they will email me as to like where the podcast is on the charts. Sometimes I open that email and I was surprised to see that we were on the charts in Saudi Arabia this week. So I have no idea. It blows my mind how other countries hear of this podcast or are interested in it. But thank you from the bottom of my heart. It's just so wonderful to feel this connection to people all the way across the world, to know that people that far away are listening. So to you, I say shukran. And I hope I said that right. That means thank you to everyone else who does not speak Arabic. Now let's get into listener of the week. And then I'm going to introduce this week's guest. Listener of the week is from Five Star Year, talented, empowering, comforting. I love that you're doing your own podcast. It was definitely needed. Your supportive and kind-hearted nature leaves me with a sense of comfort. Thank you for making my Monday commutes to work actually enjoyable. I think you are absolutely incredible, Jamie, and I can't wait for more episodes. As I'm reading this, this sounds vaguely familiar, and I'm wondering if... I've already read this <laughs> review. <laughs> if I have, I apologize. I don't think I have, but I need to start actually writing them down so I know, like, so I cross off the ones that I've read already. But just know that I always read the reviews. I'm so appreciative of them. Thank you for taking your time out to do that. That's a lot. Like, I can't even think of any podcasts that I have taken time out to review, even the ones that I listen to on a weekly basis that I love. I know I, you know, I post about some of my favorites, but it's getting me thinking, have I actually even left a review? Maybe not. So thank you so much. I really, really appreciate anyone who takes time out of their day to do that. And if you guys don't know, Spotify now has a rating system. You can't leave a review, but you can go on Spotify and rate the podcast. So if you're inclined to do that, or if you're inclined to leave a review on Apple, I will see it and I will appreciate it. Okay, so my guest coming up is Lindsay Palos. I went to her home to do the podcast. I had the volume on my podcast recorder up a bit too high in the beginning of recording. I didn't notice it until about halfway through. So in the very beginning, when I'm excited, like when I was introducing her and saying how she is gorgeous and smart and kind and sassy, a great friend of mine, I was 
just so excited to introduce her and it basically sounded like I was screaming at you. So I cut that. I tried to fix the volume on a lot of it. If I didn't mention it, there's a good chance you all probably wouldn't have even noticed. So I cut all of that out from the beginning of the episode and I just figured I would introduce her properly without yelling. In addition to all of the things that I just said about her, she's also an investor in Sugar Taco, which is how I met her several years ago. I Actually, I may have seen her on TV before I met her and didn't realize it was her until after I met her. But if you guys watched season one of The New Hills, she was Justin Bobby's girlfriend. And I remember this gorgeous blonde that he showed up to some outdoor dinner party. It may even been Thanksgiving. I don't remember. But I do remember thinking she was stunning, but I didn't put two and two together until after I had met her and I found out she dated Justin Bobby and I was just like, oh my God, you're the one on my TV screen that I thought was so stunning. Like I said, she's a co-investor in Sugar Taco. She's a model. She's modeled for Playboy, GQ, Maxim, Glamour. During her early days in LA, she dated Dan Bilzerian, who I honestly wasn't all that familiar with, but I guess he's a famous poker player. He is worth something like $200 million, so says the internet. He has 32.8 million followers. He met her at a Playboy party, I think, and took photos with her, put it on his Instagram, and then the next day she had millions of followers. But I guess they dated for a while, and like I said, I didn't really know him all that much, but... In the sake of doing research for you guys, I looked up his Instagram because I was like, what? He has over 30 million followers. And I've come to the conclusion that any bro that you guys know or any dude that tried to slide into your DMs, he's following Dan Bilzerian. Getting back to more important people like Lindsay, who is the actual guest for today. I split this interview up into two parts. So right now you're listening to part one. We go into dating and moving to LA to follow a dream. We talk a little bit about her time on the hills, Justin Bobby, her other boyfriend, Caleb Best, who if you guys watched Famously Single, you might know who he is. We did mention how Lindsay and Brandy Glanville both dated him, not at the same time, fortunately. And we get into a lot of female empowerment talk. It was a really interesting discussion. I loved it. I always love talking to Lindsay. In fact, I told her that anytime she can come on as a co-host, I would love to have her. And then part two is going to be a little bit of a different conversation. Towards the second half of the conversation, we started talking about her beautiful new home that she bought, how much it cost and why that's important, that how she put it on her vision board, how she manifested it to come to life. And that story was super interesting. So the second half, I would say, is more of a more spiritual conversation. First half is her backstory a little bit. We didn't go into the Dan stuff, so that's why I kind of went into it a little bit more here. So without any further ado, Lindsay Palos, everyone. Thank you for having me and Jamie all over. I love your show. Thank you. I've been listening. It's been fun. My first thought came to my mind when we're talking about how we figured this out ourselves. I feel like women could do each other a big solid if we rate each other five stars. 
I think we should really keep that into consideration. You know, even if someone is a personality in a different realm and they are polarizing, they will listen to something else they're doing, let's say a podcast, and automatically give them one star because they hate them and something else that they've seen. I filmed the pilot for something that like I put together. Like I had like gone out of my way to put the connections together and made something happen. And, you know, I didn't, I wasn't even weary of uh, what was going to happen, but the showrunner, they decided I was going to be the bad guy when I saw it in the final edit, like they had framed me poorly. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not doing this, but have a good time. Okay. So this is not the reality (laughs) show. So I saw one and I don't know if we're allowed to say that it was in the works because it Mm -hmm. still might be in the future. Yeah. Know which one I'm talking about. Oh, it is that one. Yeah. You didn't, I saw like the sizzle or whatever you want to call it, whatever the the pilot. Mm -hmm. Less villainous, more um, shitty characters. You know, it was definitely the shittiest person. And I found it very ironic that I had given them the opportunity for the entire thing. And then they chose to make me the shittiest person. Thank God my reality TV dreams have totally, they're subsided. I would never do that anymore. I'm really thankful for all of the things that did not work out because my kind of heart and ego probably could not handle it. These people... They're very tough people to be on reality TV, and I'm happy that I'm not suffering in that way. Yeah, it's nice to be a viewer sometimes, you know? I'm good. I'm going to control my narrative a little bit differently. Yeah, and when things don't work out, they are really working out for you. Yeah. In most cases. So I agree. Would you say your time on the hills led to your distaste towards being on reality? Yeah, I had done more pilots than that before. I had filmed some very serious pilots. One was for a... I can't, I can't say it all the way, but it was for a billion dollar business. It has to do with sports. I was involved in kind of a sports themed reality show. Uh-huh. Got casted specifically to do that. And uh, that didn't work out. Then I did one who was produced by an A-list supermodel, but it was a major network, one that we are familiar with. And then I, um, I'm sure I did even more, but then, so by the time, oh, I appear on my ex's show, Famously Single. So and, I, okay, wait. So <laughs> for those who are listening and they don't know, who is your ex from that show? His name's Callum Best. Okay. He's a hunky blonde man. He also dated someone <laughs> in the reality world that we know. Yeah, Brandy, right? Yeah. yeah. I did, I did Brandy's show recently. She's sweet, you know? I guess he likes uh, fiery blondes. Maybe. You know? We're in you guys are, are cool? Yeah, yeah, we're cool. Okay, well, let's go back to the other reality show that I brought up, The okay. Hills. What season was it on that you were on? The first. When the, the show the new, so the new beginnings. Yeah, the show came back and they set us up on the first season. Okay. So she dated Justin Bobby. Mm-hmm. So had you two met prior to that and were you actually dating? Oh, it was a show set up. So he had slid in my DMs years before and politely asked if I was dating someone and I was. And he's like, you know, oh, that's too bad. And that was it. When The Hills came up, someone asked my agent, you know, we were looking for local talent to do cameos. Let's do this interview. And then the day of, maybe even hours before, they go, you're going to meet at this place and have lunch with Justin. And then that was it. And I actually did not like him very much in mm. the, on the first try. And then we hung out again and we hung out alone. He grew on you uh, or what? Well, <laughs> you know, back then, I think I had a taste for chaos. I've learned some... Uh, really poor patterns I have. And I will say that Justin was probably, you know, for all the things I did not enjoy about that relationship, for one thing I did enjoy was like, I will never deal with a lot of things ever again in my life. It's a learning experience. Yeah. Until you go through it, mm-hmm. you know, you, you wouldn't know what's for you and what's not for you. Yeah. So you actually did end up dating for real though. So um, how long were you guys together? Two years. Whoa. Um, yeah. And the filming had stopped for those two years for a long time. 
because of COVID. So we actually had, you know, we're set up on the show, but we had a very long, real relationship for a few years. And he lived near the beach. Mm-hmm. So I'd spend a lot of my time there and a lot of my time in West Hollywood. But yeah, it was a very difficult time. I know. I, <laughs> I feel like I met you when you were coming out of that. Mm-hmm. And I felt so bad because I've been there before. And I knew what you were going through. But I also, and I don't know if you remember, I told you this. I'm like, one day you're going to look back on this and you're going to be so happy. Like yes. you went through this and you're going to be so much better off. million percent. And I think you are. You're Oh my God. Spot. A million percent. <laughs> and I learned so much. I learned a lot about love, things I wish that we had been taught a long time ago. What did you learn? One of the main things is the the addictive qualities of love mm-hmm. and attachment, right? Yeah. If we if we become aware that being in love means our dopamine levels rise and change when someone calls or does not call, our heart rate can change, our sleep patterns change, our appetites change, and also even the general knowledge that repetitive chronic stress and trauma will break the body down even more than a punch in the face. Beyond even that level of abuse, being abused emotionally will kill you from the inside out. And so I'm still healing in ways that you would not think would happen because because of a terrible relationship, but especially the gut, by the way, the gut was my thing. I'm still working on um, gut health because of that relationship. Wow. And when I went to the doctor, it was funny. I was like, you know, I was in a really bad relationship. I am just getting out of it. And these issues started around then. And he goes, I know, he goes, I really, I'm glad you said this because this makes total sense. This is exactly what can happen. I mean, yeah, like even cancers, like stress is, makes it worse, Mm -hmm. makes it appear. It's a big contributing factor is our, you know, our mental and emotional health on our physical well-being. Yeah. I love that you brought up the fact of like the dopamine levels rise and it's almost like this addictive drug. Yes. And for me, I got used to love meaning the highs, the lows, it was an actual drug addiction. Mm -hmm. And I, you said you were addicted to chaos. You sought out chaos. That's what I thought meant I'm madly in love with someone because I'm feeling all the spectrum. I'm feeling all those feelings. And like, if I meet someone healthy and normal, I feel like they're boring. Million percent. That's a million percent. And that's something that you and I will have to work on forever because we are, we will always be prone and addicted to that chaotic feeling. So I'm actively, I've been doing that now. I've been Recently, I was dating two guys, two separate guys, wouldn't commit. One guy treated me like a queen. I'll do anything you want. Fantastic. He was handsome. He was smart. Nothing wrong on paper. And this other guy was a bad boy. He's my my similar type. Very Dan Blazerian, Callum Best, Justin Bobby. Very sexy, you know, a Lothario probably. And naturally, I want to go to that one. But I'm like, you know, you know that you're addicted to chaos. You know that this other guy who seems boring is very handsome and he is funny and he is smart. Mm-hmm. Can I ride those waves of this feels boring and actually realize how valuable the peace and consistency is? Yeah. And I'm measuring things that are different now. I'm going, did I make more money when I was around this guy? Did I pursue my passions a little more? Was my sleep better? I have an aura ring now. Now I know. There's so many other things to take into account. And it's like sometimes like in the past, it would be all consuming. And then you get out of that relationship. And then you're like, whoa, I was so drained from that, that I couldn't put any effort into anything else. God, you know, and now I'm at the point I'm single and I'm barely dating. I I wouldn't even say that I'm dating. I'm kind of okay with it at the moment because now I'm nervous of falling back into that and then not being able to 
keep up with everything else that I have going on in my life. It's such a balance. And some people, I'm sure it just comes naturally, that balance. But I think for people like me or you, Mm -hmm. it doesn't. Were your parents divorced? They were not. No. Interesting. Yeah. Sometimes in my mind, I think all the secure people have married off and it was because their families stayed together. Mm -hmm. But that definitely doesn't absolve you know, there's still families with chaos and abuse and people have chosen to stay together even with those things. So mm-hmm. I would love to know why I am the way that I am. I figured mine out um, did over you? COVID. Yeah. Did you go through to therapy? Like, how did you figure out? I went to, I went to therapy, but I also did Reiki. I love it. Yes. Reiki was the first time someone um, helped me understand that I loved chaos mm-hmm. and it totally clicked, but I never questioned why. And a lot of times therapy, therapists and even energy healers will ask you about your parents and your childhood. And I'm so appreciative of my family for just keeping me alive that I don't, you know, I'm like never going to blame them. Whatever the, a parent's role is never done perfectly. Right. And it's a job that you do not win. And I know that as a daughter. So I hold no judgment for that, for anyone, you know, any, any parenting issues, but I did see a behavior reveal itself when I was least expecting it, I hadn't seen, you know, someone in my family for a long time. And when we hung out, somehow we got into a chaotic conversation and they spoke to me exactly how a traumatic ex did or how this, t- like it was and exactly- like a light went off for you. Yeah. And I, cause I had already learned that those are bad things. Yeah. So I'm like, you sound exactly like that person I thought I was going to marry. Yeah. This is fucked up. You, you probably fucked me up a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I was uh, revealed the truth that I did not want. And that was very shitty. That's shitty, but I'm at least, you know, knowledge is power. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I still have no clue why I used to be attracted to such relationships, the chaotic relationships. But I do think that after my last one, I think I'm done with like all the red flags. The moment a red flag pops up, I am so far done and I'm actually unable to even develop feelings for a person now, I think unless they show me healthy traits and qualities. I'm no longer attracted to that type of person and it's not even, it's the opposite of attraction. I'm so turned off (laughs) when I see that now. I really do think, I think that's why I always try to tell people, I'm like dating women, us dating is very hard because just chopping down to who is kind is very difficult. And I mean, like we deserve legitimate respect. It's just, it is very hard to simply find kind. And then you have to go to core values and then you have to go to like lifestyles that match and goals that mirror each other. So it is very hard. So hard. Very hard. I do believe it exists even through all my cynicism. Like I definitely think great men and great people exist, but fuck, it is hard. And you're right. Cause you want a relationship where your identity isn't dissolved yes. and where you get to still be you and the best you. And that's, that's going to come with being rational in love, not falling in love, but thinking about it really hard and being like, am I ready to align our paths together? Cause that is something that really takes some, and I think we need to be more patient when it comes to defining relationships. It might take three months I think we should maybe be waiting till three months to be like, now I'll commit to you in a deeper way. Let's, let's date around. And women, we need to remember too to keep our options open. 
you know when you feel yourself you like a guy and he's all you think about Mm -hmm. and you're thinking about having sex with him you do imagine what happens if you guys get married you just start envisioning and that is the mind actually not being very secure because in the book attached it said we're not supposed to think all these they're not supposed to distract us from our daily life these thoughts of yeah we should be a little bit smoother and i'm like that i start thinking love marriage babies is crazy shit and i noticed myself doing that recently and so i said you know what this person has consumed 70% of my day's thoughts. I'm going to table him for the weekend. How about Monday through Friday? I don't let myself think about him. I'm going to choose other things and he'll still be there. And, and a great rule of thumb is if you've never had sex with a guy, he's always going to want you. If you've never given in, he's always on the table. It doesn't matter what has happened. He's always on the table. So you have time to figure it out and do your own thing or date another person. He's on the table. He's never going to be off the table. That's hilarious. It's the truth, you know? <laughs> do you find yourself holding out or do you just go with whatever you feel like and it's not you don't give it any mental thought like that or psychological thought or do you? Yes. Um, no, very, I would, I do not date people that I'm not in a monogamous relationship that I want to be in. So, right. If like, if I think someone is not someone dateable, then maybe you can consider having sex with them. But in my opinion, if I'm like, I could see myself liking this guy, it is worth waiting for you at least at the very least, you want them to be wanting monogamy with you. Yeah, that's the safer bet to me because it, that's why I said I was really happy to learn about attachment because if I know how my heart rate, dopamine, sleep patterns, appetite are going to work just from kissing, kissing starts those processes, touching, cuddling, like we release oxytocin just doing those things. So sex is just going to complicate it even further. So it's kind of, we have all these tools to be smarter. Uh-huh. than letting love overcome us. Yeah. And so that's what I've been working on is being smarter than that and sex and being very cautious about sex. It's also not fair physically because for women after sex, we release all of these hormones that make us bond to the person more, whereas it does almost the opposite to men. Okay. I believe, don't quote me, but this is scientifically proven, you know, because the men, his thought, you know, if we go back to like our ancestors is like, he needs to go out and spread his seed and procreate as much as he possibly can. That's in him, in the DNA. And for women, it's the complete opposite. So put us together and it's not a fair fucking scenario, you know, it's so fucked for us. That's why I think waiting is important, right? Because if you wait until a man has created that attachment with you and they have really like, you're someone that they want to be with and they've considered all of that, I think you're not going to run into those issues of some man wanting to bang a bunch of people. If he's invested so much time into you and been patient and realized, you know, you were carefully considering this, men, I really think appreciate that. And I've seen it happen. I've seen, I mean, I've had playboys be committed and not cheat and cheating was not why the relationships ended. So I've seen it. Patty Stenger used to say, men will ask for sex knowing that they shouldn't get it. Mm. And that really helped me out as a younger person being pressured and uh, really pushed into people wanting to have sex when I didn't want to and it wasn't time. Yeah. When we're doing relationships, a lot of times our relationships, we're considering more than just like this person's beautiful, right? This man is beautiful. Yeah. Women are considering a factor, a group of factors like this may be a secure life for me. I may feel more protected. And, and I mean literally protected. We have to deal with violence. We cannot walk on the street at night in a lot of situations without being harassed. Mm-hmm. So there are more things. And those things should be absolved by dismantling a patriarchy first, right? 
we should only be seeking love and fun and sex and partnership. But instead, there's so much gatekeeped that we have, we're also seeking out. We're also seeking like capable people to keep us safe. We have a lot stacked against us, I think, Uh when it comes to love. And I think more men should also be aware of that too, because they ask why they can't find partners. Well, you need to consider the environment in which you're looking for a partner that is equal. How are you going to find equal partners in a world that isn't equal? But I don't know if they want equal, if they even care about that. <laughs> they they do all these misogyny podcasts and like complain like they do. I hear it all the time and gold digger this and, you know, thought slut that. And I'm like, I think that's a really big problem is people are looking for equal partners in a world that is certainly not equal. And there's really not a lot of consideration for that. Yeah. And I see the younger generation and I feel like it's so much different and it scares me a little bit. What's I don't know if it scares me or if I should accept it and be like, good for you. But the women of the younger generation are almost adapting to be more like the men mm-hmm. as far as emotions go. And it's kind of like more transactional for them. I don't know if like they're adapting to be more like men or if they truly through evolution, if this is what's happening to yeah. women now. Yeah. I don't know either. It's interesting. You and I, we're in an age where... We deserve the credit for being where we are as women mm-hmm. because that has meant that we have covered certain roadblocks and different obstacles to get where we were. It sounds like a beautiful idea when those lines start to blur for younger people. Yeah. Because then the, that means those obstacles get blurry too. And then we can have fair, you know, human for human. So it's hard because you don't want to erase what it means to be a woman, especially when we deserve the credit for mm-hmm. being women in this time. But, you know... It would be great if humans didn't have to identify with these rigid roles and maybe hopefully at a younger age, they're learning to not have to and just being yourself without being in these lanes that we're told to be in. That's a hopeful way of looking at it. Yeah. Thank you for that perspective. Of course. I think about this shit all day. (laughs) Well, okay. So you were a Louisiana girl. You moved out here on your own. I think you packed up your car and drove out to LA. Yes. The LA story. Yeah. Take us back to when you first moved out here. What was the decision to come out here and how did you get to where you are now? I went to LSU. I graduated with a history degree that I now use on Twitter. (laughs) That's pretty much it. But I'd always planned to go to college, but then my vision was very blurry about what comes next. And I think I had a lot of, I suppressed what I truly wanted to do. I obviously wanted to model and be kind of in the spotlight. I love hosting and I love, I, there's a million things I love to do, but I didn't think that I was tall enough, pretty enough, smart enough. I certainly wasn't rich enough to do anything like that. But around 23, I graduated. I was still bartending and I thought, I can't live and die in Louisiana. I'm going to move to Vegas and I'll bartend there. I'm going to make a ton of money and at least expand my story. It was very clear in my intuition that I had to move from Louisiana. Okay. That was just abundantly clear, almost to the point of like physical sensation. I was feeling very uncomfortable in my environment. I actually started choking on my food, which I thought was crazy. I was very obsessed with dying at the time. And I assume now that it was just because I had to shift my path. I think my, I think my brain was telling me, you can't live and die here. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't live and die here. What kind of story is that? Yeah. And it's a good story for people. It wasn't good for my story. Yeah. So I ended up moving to LA. I got a job bartending off Craigslist. Vegas was scrapped. And, well, this is what <laughs> happened. So Instagram happened. Mm-hmm. I started posting selfies and photo shoots. I ended up doing a casting with Playboy. I had a few modeling uh, photos from there. And someone said, come to LA. I want to do a photo shoot with you. I'll pay you to come out here. And I was like 23, like, or Uh maybe, yeah, 23. 
and I was shooting on the canyon in Malibu on a canyon. And I thought, I have to move here. And I ended up moving here. It was the harder decision. I was like, I'll still bartend, but... Was that your epiphany? I think you and I talked about this on your podcast, how I had an epiphany overlooking the Pacific Ocean too in Big Sur. Yeah. It was like a wave of, I must move here. Yeah. And I said out loud, I was like, I'm going to move here. And a photographer's like, oh yeah, people say that all the time. But I was here in three weeks. Same. Yeah. It was like a voice mm-hmm. move to California. And it felt like I had to rush. I, ha- I felt a very mm-hmm. rushing. I wasted uh, rent at my old apartment. I did things that I would never do. I'm a very methodical, step-by-step kind of girl, and I did not do that. I totally jumped and went for it. Yeah, same. <laughs> I had a business. I sold my business. I sold my car. I sold everything, and I moved in within three weeks, and I didn't know anybody. And my family cool. was like what are you doing? And it was the craziest thing. But yeah, Mm -hmm. same thing. When you know, you just, when you hear that intuition or that voice, it's like some people follow it and maybe some people don't. I don't know. So you did. So you moved out to LA. Was that the first place you moved to? Okay. And you've been here since. Yes. How long ago was that? I was 23. I'm 30 now. Okay. I feel like it was still six years away. I've been Mm -hmm. saying that. Maybe it's close to seven, (laughs) but I've been capping it at six. But yeah. Wow. What are some challenges you experienced in LA? What did you have to overcome? Were were there any moments where you were like to the point where you almost left? Oh my God. No, I was never going to leave. But man, the first year was definitely the toughest because I had no cash. I was bartending. I realized like the cost of living here is so much more than Louisiana. So I got a job as a bartender, but it was very hard to scrape by. And at the time, this was the first time I had lived in a place where sugar daddies were a thing okay or like people being paid to be girlfriends were a thing Uh and it's funny because people always think like dan paid me to be his girlfriend no yeah right he doesn't (laughs) like i mean i wish but he didn't but no that wasn't like a thing there was a lot of people who who suggested that i get a rich boyfriend or that i date this older wealthy man or do this and that so i think that was kind of interesting in the beginning Uh i felt very frustrated that I would do these modeling jobs for very little money or that I'd be posting these collabs with photographers and I'd like go find these outfits and I'd do all this work and I'd see other people do similar shoots and I knew that that had just been funded by some boyfriend and some other person had built their following through buying followers or like paying for this publicist and I was just like poor and like trying to make it work and I was very mad about it and very bitter. Uh Over time, I really grew out of that. I was also a 23-year-old idiot. Definitely the hardest part of moving here for sure. And I think it took me a few years to get a focus about what I wanted to do with my life. I think it's pretty unreasonable that we think 23 year olds should know that or even under 25. And I'm I'm not gonna lie, even at 30, man, I'm barely, it takes a while to learn your life's goal and focus. And it's something that we it is very, it's, and honestly, it's really hard before your brain is fully formed. Right. So I was, you know, a kid in a new city trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do in my life while having millions of followers at the same time. I was felt like I was wasting it or not doing the right thing, but I'm happy. It took time, you know? Okay. How did you go from modeling, which you still do, to investing in Sugar Taco? Well, I guess Jade, Nicole, our founder, approached me about it I would say it's been a while I can't even remember okay (laughs) but yeah she said we have a project we're a women-owned plant-based Mexican restaurant and I thought it was a great idea I thought it was a great idea to partner with a great group of women beyond the idea of making money but I just think it's good to invest in a team you believe in yeah I 
saw the list of women and I thought, absolutely. I agree. The team to me is most important. Totally. Yeah. And the food is very good. So what's, what is your go-to order? I love a quesadilla, all the nachos. I get the fries. I actually order pretty much everything. (laughs) I splurred. Yeah. It's so good. I don't eat there as often as I would like Mm -hmm. just because I'm mostly in Orange County and we don't have an Orange County location yet. So anytime I am in LA, I do the same thing and just like order everything. So good. It's so, <laughs> so worth good. it. So good. What's it like living in Orange County? It's amazing. I'm so jealous. It's amazing. Like, I can see you like in Laguna Beach. Like, oh my God. Eventually. It's one of my favorite places. I think about it a lot. Like I think about, oh, I just want to drive there today. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Before I even moved out to California, remember obviously the show Laguna Beach. Yeah. And then there was the OC. Yeah. And then there and was every Abercrombie and Fitch commercial. Yes. It was like, it's like when people thought Orange County, it's not LA. I mean, uh, when California, it wasn't mm-hmm. LA, it was Orange County. Right. Those visuals, they're, all those people, they're there. I would walk into a New Jersey mall into a Hollister. And I don't know if you ever shopped mm-hmm. there as like a teen, but I, on the, the TVs, they would show Laguna Beach and, and Huntington Beach. And I remember being in line with my clothes and they also had the music player thing on the wall. <laughs> so I would play like Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card oh, or something yeah. like that. Right? <laughs> and I, I would be standing there with my clothes and just imagining being on this beach. And here I was in like a mall in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And so now anytime I'm in Laguna or Huntington or anything like that, or I'm dri- even just driving through Orange County and I see all like the beautiful homes and the greenery and the mountains. I'm yeah. never not grateful about like I'm just always like I can't believe I live here. Nothing to say bad about New Jersey, but just as a kid always dreaming of California. Yeah. And the fact that now I'm 10 minutes from Laguna Beach, it's I'm like so I pinch myself when I anytime I see it, I'm just like I can't believe I'm actually physically here. It's such a beautiful place. It's so funny we're talking about Abercrombie and Fitch because mm-hmm. Jessica Hall, who is our co-investor, her husband was a model for Abercrombie and Fitch. Like she just posted his photo. Yeah. And I'm like, this is so funny that we're talking about this. I have a funny story about him. First of all, all of all of us are so strangely intertwined. Mm-hmm. It's really it's really funny. But with Jessica, her husband has a twin brother. And <laughs> Do you know him? Have you met him? No, I think I saw their pics though. But okay. I think they're twinning in they're Abercrombie. identical twins. <laughs> oh, okay. So he, he modeled for mm-hmm. Abercrombie too. Okay. So he used to live in New York City, as did I. And I was friends with Chriselle from you like reality, you know, mm-hmm. selling sunset. So Chriselle and I were best friends for many, many years. And we met when we were both living in New York City right before she what did. A small world. Right? Yeah. Right before she did All My Children. Mm. We were out one night at a bar and these two guys walk in. And it was Jessica Hall's husband's brother. I think his name is Luke. And Graham Bunn. Who's I don't that? know if you know Graham. He was on The Bachelorette. And he also dated Chriselle. Okay, But that's the night that they met. So he walks in. Graham Bunn sounds like a cupcake. Right? Or like a little Debbie <laughs> snack or something. I don't know what. I know Graham he's, Bunn. Like a, it sounds like something Right? You eat. It yes. does. It sounds like a food item. <laughs> <laughs> so they, the two of them walk in. And we hung out with them that night. And like she and Graham start dating. And so I'm hanging out with Luke like here and here and there throughout the time that she was with Graham. So now fast forward to 15 years later and Jessica Hall posts a photo and I'm like, why does he look so familiar? (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, I know him. And I'm like, that's Graham's friend. And then she's like, yeah, you know Graham. And I'm like, yeah, it's just such a weird, small world. Yeah. You know, it's like, what's that game like with Kevin Bacon? Seven things removed or something. No idea. No, there's no idea. 
what degrees? Seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. Oh, interesting. They say every, everyone is seven degrees away from another person, but somehow Kevin Bacon became the name of this game. I think I have heard this okay. somehow. <laughs> but in LA, I feel like it's always like one degree away from anybody else. Yeah. It's a very small town. It is. Yeah. It really is. That's it for part one. Thanks for listening. Head over to part two to hear more talk with Lindsay Palos on manifestation, on finding her dream home, vision boards, how she stays disciplined, being self-employed, tons of advice, book recommendations, actionable steps that she's used to achieve all of her dreams stuff that she has in the works coming up. And I get into a program I've been doing called 75 Hard. I've modified it a bit and I would love for you all to join me on this. So head over to part two, whether you have time now or maybe if you're listening to this on your morning commute to work, I split this up so you'd be able to listen to part one on your way to work and part two on your way home. One thing that I did have to cut off in the beginning, because as I said, the volume was way too loud, and we talked about her podcast called Eyes Up Here. She took a break from it. She's relaunching it, and I was a guest a couple weeks ago on hers. It's not out yet. I will update you guys when that episode is out. Thanks for listening to this episode. Take care.